Uh, welcome to Sierra Nova Podcast. This is episode 117. Million. <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah yeah we've been doing this for like 35 years <laughs> wow no but you guys do it like once a week or is it once a month uh like once a week but we're gonna be changing that next year yeah probably once every other week something like that twice a month kind of thing because yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty brutal doing uh doing every every sunday and then greg's gotta edit it and upload it and add all the stuff every week <laughs> yeah that's wild i know it's so much work yeah like it's not that much editing for this but like there's another podcast that we have people doing on our platform and uh sometimes they like since uh the peter guy doesn't pay for zoom he only gets like 30 45 minutes or whatever on zoom yeah and he's like talking about that each episode at the end of the episode. He's like, Oh, well now it's going to end because I don't pay for this. And I'm like, now I'm going to edit that out. Fuck. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, so we have our guest Christian, which has been on multiple times. <clears throat> so for people that don't know who you are, who are you? What do you do? Who am I? That's the age old question. Um, whether it's uh, nobler to something, slings and arrows. <laughs> um, that's that's a good question. I'm actually trying to rebrand my uh, personal website, and I'm trying to kind of like I, every every year or two I kind of rebrand, and and that kind of it's always it's kind of my way of doing a business plan where I'm like re-envisioning myself. So currently on my personal site, which is csa1.ca, uh, it's it's kind of like a collage of artworks, different styles, including graphic novels and fine art, because I was trying to promote that for a while. Uh, and I still have a lot of art uh, uh, that I have for sale. And, uh, oh yeah, there it is. So, yeah, so that's the current site, but I'm, I'm planning to rebrand it to kind of just streamline it in a few sections where it's like going to have like biography, then uh, uh, artist, then um, teacher, and then publisher as like the main things that I've been doing in my career. And then within underneath each heading, I would kind of go into about a paragraph, just very brief of uh, what I've done. So. I started out as a self-publisher in high school, where I published a, a zine slash comic book, and uh, I, it was like not many copies. We printed it on on a teacher's uh, copier, in uh, she snuck us out into the teacher's lounge, and we used the copier to print 50 books, and we sold them for a buck each to the students. Then, you know, that's awesome. We're rolling in dough <laughs> and uh, we're buying coffee and smoking cigarettes till, till uh, our heart, all, all our heart could desire. And uh, yeah, so then that's how I did it. And and then I, uh, you know, I've, I've been, well, I started studying animation 
<laughs> and uh, and then I started creative writing in university as well. This is all in Canada. And then I just decided to be a professional artist. And I started out like working from home and trying to do shows in cafes. Well, I actually registered a self-publishing company. It was a publishing company. It was a desktop publishing business. But I was only publishing my own stuff at the time. I thought I could do that. I thought I could do paintings and then publish my work in books. And then I ran out of capital, but uh, I had the business for about five years. And, and then in that process, I ended up turning to uh, freelancing online to sustain myself because selling paintings and bars and cafes and, and doing live paintings at raves wasn't cutting it. <laughs> <laughs> so I tried to kind of uh, uh, market my skills online. And, and then over the last uh, almost 20 years now, um, I have like around a thousand excellent reviews on, on uh, like across a few platforms, freelancer.com, guru.com and upwork.com. So that's, that's really what sustained me. And, oh, you know, I've been doing fine art shows occasionally, less so since I moved to the States about uh, nine years ago. Um, but I still sell works and, uh, you know, I, I have my fingers in a few things and I publish books. I publish a nonfiction. It's a living, surviving as a freelancer in the 21st century. There it is. Beautiful copy you got there. And uh, that's a hardcover there. And, yep. uh, and then very recently, September 1st, I just launched my new book, Easy and Fun, Cartooning Techniques, for drawing comics and manga. This is a how-to book that is like compiles all the, uh, what I what I didn't mention uh, before was that I also had an art school at, at one point in, in Canada. So, uh, because I couldn't sell uh, fine art, so I turned to freelancing online, but when I started to, to make a decent living at, like freelancing and then uh, teaching. So I taught at a community center for many years, then I started to teach for the city of Ottawa, like in different uh, locations. Then a almost every single private art school in the Oops. city. And then eventually I decided to not travel as much because I had moved uh, in the suburbs and uh, I opened up my own art school, which was Masterpiece Art School. And so I had this curriculum that I had developed over the years, which was uh, for typically younger ages, like six to 13. And there was cartooning i had like it was cartooning and then i had like a courses for drawing and painting and and then i taught illustration classes for teenagers and portfolio classes for getting into uh, arts high schools and uh colleges so i combined all that curriculum because i i built up a lot of handouts that i would you know be prepared uh, with in class so i'd give out a handout give them a, like a 10 to 15 minute spiel. And then I would supervise the classes for an hour. So that was my routine. So this book, basically I had about, let's say 35 handouts and I decided, you know what? I have all this curriculum and I had curriculum for, you know, cartooning one and two and uh, the illustration classes. So I said, why don't I take this curriculum and expand it and turn it into like a step-by-step, -step, you know, how to, learn how to draw comics basically 
So, and, and it was what I would take the students through, which was like, you know, character design, you know, like heads, bodies, you know, anatomy, all this stuff. But then I expanded everything. Like, the, you know, I added, uh, it's like, I think 99 pages of content uh, in this book. So, you know, everything, I mean, it's, a, you know, what I started with before has all been like expanded upon, like even all the little handouts. Yeah. Are these examples of those handouts right here? Yeah, those are yeah, those are examples. Yeah, on the back of the book. But Very I mean, cool. but a lot of that, like if you see the top left one, I think in the original handout it was just like that that big head, you know. So uh, so I added all this, uh, you know, explanations and all these things that, that weren't originally there. Gotcha. That's hands, very cool. The, yeah, the hands, the feet, all those are new pages that I provided. The, the hands are cool because uh, I had a, a roommate my freshman year in college who um, he actually got a, a decent scholarship to the university I went to because of his uh, artwork with hands because it's like the most complicated thing to draw on humans. And it was like a super interesting mm -hmm. Like he had this like really cool picture of a of a hand or, or it was a pen it was a uh, stent or what, what's it called a pencil drawing right and he had a picture yeah. of a hand with like a phone in front of it and like where the phone was it looked like it was X-raying through the hand and it had uh, mechanical components in the hand it was like uh -oh. a really fantastic piece of work yeah that'll get you into a college a good college <laughs> yeah well yeah that section where I draw hands, feet, and a couple of other, I think, just like different anatomy things. I, I call it uh, hard stuff made easy. <laughs> hands and feet are the things that most people avoid uh, drawing because they're they're difficult. And even like getting faces is, is difficult. Yeah, Everything is difficult. Like our students ask me like, you know, uh, they go, what subject should I choose? Like, what's the easiest? Well, <laughs> everything's hard if you're if you want it to be good, you know, what's easiest? Like, like, yeah, nothing worthwhile is easy. Yeah, like even if I ask them to draw a straight line, if they're not trying, it's going to suck. It's going to be bad, <laughs> right? You have to try yeah. everything. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, this is like, uh, you know, table of contents. I wrote yeah, I was looking through this. I was looking through this stuff earlier. The uh, the hard stuff made easy. I see that. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, of that, but I have like fun little anecdotes at the beginning of each chapter too. Like, uh, I think in the hands one, I talk about this um, this summer when I was like I think ten or eleven, and uh, I I spent the whole summer trying to get good at drawing hands. And uh, and I finally managed to do like one hand, like in a position like like that, you know. And then <laughs> I just drew that for the rest of the summer, and then I like drew it on everything. So I have like fun little anecdotes. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, and it's interesting because when Greg sent me this um, uh, yesterday, two days ago. I was like, that's so weird because I actually saw this on Amazon first. 
Um, I, it might be because like I, I follow your author page or something, but I actually saw this pop up because I like, he sent it to me and I'm like, wait, I recognize that. I'm like, who is this? And I'm like, oh wait, this is Christians. I'm like, that's that's ridiculous. So that's that was very cool. Well, I did uh, start running some ads on it. Very yeah. ah, oh, that makes sense then. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's been working all right, like with some pre-sales, but then it's it like actually it launched September first, and then it like slowed down right after the launch. So, and actually for a short period on one day, I was ranked number one in new releases in the category of uh, how to draw comics. And then, yeah, and then and now, was like number one in something because he's like, oh, I, I saw that on Amazon. I was like, yeah, like number one in some kind of category. And he's like, oh. Yeah, it was, cool. it was like for a day I was number one and then now I'm like a hundred. <laughs> I think it, this is the season. It's very competitive. It's back to school, you know, so yeah. I think uh, all the how-to books are running ads. And it's yeah, I was going to say like this, this particular genre, I'm sure is very competitive this time of year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, even, on, uh, even on Kickstarter, like September, October is like, it's kind of the end of the year for a lot of people because, well, for us. Um, November is like the last month basically for us to do stuff. And uh, a lot of people try to get a, like last Kickstarter in, in like October because November is kind of like a dead month because it's like all the holidays start. Yeah, everyone starts putting their money towards presents and food and, and uh, travel. And yeah, they don't, <laughs> they don't do Kickstarters or uh, anything like that. Right. Yeah. So summer's good for Kickstarters? usually any month like sometimes people say uh there's no bad month to run it but i think december is not a very good month to run kickstarter yeah or, or november honestly because the build up yeah even a guy that was on their platform a couple years ago i think it was like 2019 um he was running he was trying to run this like horror christmas comic and i really wanted it to like be a thing and like yeah. it just didn't fund by like not that much and uh, uh like if I had the money, I would fund it because he's like, if it funded, I you could put it on the platform. I'm like, yeah, but like I didn't yeah. have the money to like just do that because I, I would have because I just wanted it to be made. It's like yeah. it's called Donner Lane, and it just it never became a thing yet. They're still working on it, I think. But yeah, um, I do like page nineteen on your in your new book because yeah it reminds me of um, kind of reminds me of blender how you have to get a certain shape like that's close to what you actually want to make so it's like oval and it shows like dracula or a vampire oh yeah 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 well yeah. bring that up uh dylan if you can yeah i just brought it up yeah there it is yeah yeah so i like that because it just reminds me so much of blender well this is this is something that i might have introduced in the intro because this section only has this one exercise in it and it's something that i stole from my animation uh, course in college this is a handout that was given to us for character design and we were given all these shapes and they were just like these like all, all these exact shapes and uh and then we just had to come up with characters you move the eye line and the nose line and uh, you see, like, those characters at the bottom, I literally improvised them when I was trying to fill this page. So <laughs> and 
I just kind of came up with stuff. And I had another page. I forget if it's forward or backward, but it lists like different types of noses and, you know, like an elephant trunk or something, you know, like uh, it might be before, like with the heads. There you go. So you see, like, there's all these little features. So that kind of this page preps you for the next section. And then at the bottom, you see, I even discuss kind of the differences between uh, uh, male and female characters. So in cartooning, that still exists, I think. But in, in uh, society, blurred <laughs> <laughs> now. Yeah, this is very cool. Yeah, I remember talking about um, uh, drawing with uh, uh, who was it? Who, who was the one we were chatting with that uh, that was talking about face like faces and stuff like that? We were talking about like the components like this. And Zach in my head, but that's not his name. <laughs> I don't remember. One of our past oh, guests uh, was it Michael Grazia. Michael Grazia, he's like a cartoonist. I don't remember. Is that, that's, that's the problem with having a, a podcast a week. There's just so many. It's yeah. just like I can't keep track of people anymore. But um, but basically, yeah, I just I, I love the idea of having these components. It's kind of uh, – oh, we were talking about emotions. That's right. I don't know if that will trigger anything, Greg. But we were talking about the different emotions in the face and understanding how oh. to actually express those. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about now. And it's driving me nuts because I can picture my just names are gone. Oh, Brad um, Linder. Linder? That's yeah. That's his, that's his name, Brad Linder. Cool. Batman. Batman. He, he's drawing. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's why. No, no. Never mind. That's why that confused me. No, I know who you're talking about. No, not not him. No, no. It was somebody else. But that was cool. Too. Yeah, we we talked about it again on that episode too. Yes, I forgot about that. No, no. We were talking about resources and stuff and putting them on the uh, on the website at one point. But we were talking about things like this, like being able to see the different facial expressions. Like there was angry, sad, and then angry and sad and what that looks like. And like, you know, just having like the, the components of a face like this is very cool to be able to put that stuff together because being able to see like what eyes look like and like seeing them when they're happy, seeing them when they're sad and then trying to cross them uh, so you can see like, oh, like happy and sad, like joyful tears, like there's a different look. Um, mm -hmm. so it's very cool, but it, but it all came down to like breaking down each of the sections, but this is cool because these are all like unique things. So like, these are different noses, not like the same nose and different expressions. These are all different, unique noses, different, unique faces or uh, mouths, hair. So it's very cool. I think it was Sebastian Chow. There you go. Sebastian. Yep. Yeah. Second you say, I, I just needed to hear it. <laughs> yeah. So some, some sections, like let's say the top section here is very, very appealing probably to younger uh, students. Well, the, the bottom section can be more interesting and, and valuable to, let's say, teens to like early 20s illustrators to like, uh, to be aware of the, the, the way you structure the, the faces and what that means. Mm -hmm. And uh, aesthetically, like, like less lines are more for women. And, uh, and then with uh, with women, you know, you would change kind of superficial things about them to age them rather than the wrinkles. You know, you would change like the hair color, or um, maybe you would you would put like an extra smile line or two, and maybe a line uh, around the the eyes, but not much more. 
you know, where it was like acceptable for a man there, like like a big wrinkly eye, that's totally fine. But for a woman, you would never do that. <laughs> and when she's old. Yeah, that's very cool. I do like that. Like this, this is very uh, like playful up here, very cartoonish. And then it's kind of showing a little more depth. So you kind of get the broad scale of like, this is how you start. This is where you kind of look at like what the possibilities are. And then you go, okay, now let's take one of those and get very detailed. It's very mm -hmm. cool. And uh, obviously, I like page 25 because that's like shows different body types. Um, some people don't know that yep. yet because they're just starting to make comics or whatever. And uh, when I'm trying to describe someone to an artist, like this is what this person looks like, I say ectomorph or mesomorph or whatever. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, come on. Come on. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of lost uh, this this terminology and I I cite the um, the writer the William Sheldon but and this is like one of if not the only mention of a of a, a person in the book because <laughs> <laughs> um, I tried very much not to cite uh, people because I didn't want to date the book you know but I figured this was such a kind of old-timey sociologist that it didn't really like matter but if i was to cite somebody really new like if i was to mention like whatever mcfarlane or something like that you know um you never know like in a 10 20 years he might be out of uh out of the, the limelight <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh so you know uh it, it could be divisive um but it, I think I was just gonna say it's interesting because uh, yeah, the reason why Greg and I started using this, I think I actually learned about um, the body types from like physiology, like stu studying human anatomy and uh, basically yeah. like uh, like f uh, physical fitness and like what your best, like how to work out best for your body. So like I learned about these that way, and so that's when we found. Um, I don't remember who gave it, but somebody gave us like a uh, a breakdown, or maybe, maybe we just found it online. But it was like the endomorph, ectomorph, and mesomorph. And uh, that's yeah, it's it, it is kind of interesting that some artists, uh, some artists kind of just dabble until they get pretty good. But honestly, learning learning like that core structure of like how to build a person is definitely super valuable, especially if you're trying to draw the same person over and over again. Because we, we worked with artists who are really good at transitioning them from panel to panel, and then other artists where you're like, is that the same person? And I, I feel like a lot of that has to do with the lack of this, like, kind of root knowledge of, like, okay, this particular character is a mesomorph, square jawline, normally angry, old, right? Like, and trying to keep this same look, not just trying to draw the same character, but even the same look of the character over and over again. So, yeah, I, I love this stuff. Yeah, I think uh, current illustrators are referencing so much that they lose this foundation of cartooning because that's what that that's all about you have to know the character type uh, as, as a stereotype and this is i mean maybe it's not uh, it's not necessarily applicable to all personality types but they're generalizations uh, and they're really helpful for cartooning like for example the ectomorph which is like the thin skinny uh kind of a nerdy type you know it says here, like, they could be anxious, self-conscious, artistic, thoughtful, quiet, private, you know. Uh, I should have included nerdy, but it's not really an adjective. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, and and then the, the athletic guy is, like, more, uh, 
this as assertive, strong, maybe uh, 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 you know, extroverted, and and uh, and then probably uh, the the endomorph. He's supposed to be like jolly, you know, like a Christmas party or something, you know. But that's not always the case, you know. That's why I put Santa because he's always like a big, uh, fat, jolly guy. Well, it's it even works for like someone like the thing because like uh, from the Fantastic Four, like he's a perfect example where he normally is a little more relaxed, he's good humored, but then you know, clobber in time, right? The whole thing where yeah. like like he he'll go into the mode he has to, but he was always like the nice guy, but he got turned into a rock essentially. <laughs> well, I believe they they were conscious of that. I think, yeah, you know, like every team up book in comics always had like a a big guy, and I think uh, remember. Remember Bad Rock in like Young Blood? He was like kind of uh, he was the rock guy in Young Blood, and he was like a teenager, I think, right? He was like a teenage uh, guy trapped in the body of a big, bulky rock character. Bad Rock. Look at him up but now. <laughs> doesn't ring a bell. He looks familiar, actually. The the name just didn't ring a bell. Is this uh? Oh, sure. It's a Rob Liefeld character. Is it this guy? Rob? Oh, Rob Liefeld. Is that what he said? Yeah. Yeah. The guy made yeah. Deadpool and bunch of Yeah. Yeah, but inside he's actually like a thirteen-year-old kid. <laughs> and then they're like, all the young blood characters are all uh, they're uh, they're kind of celebrities, but there's there's government-sponsored, you know superhero celebrities so anyway the, the point is that like uh, uh, you know it's a stereotype and it's it's a beginning point that's a, that's the whole point it's a beginning point and you can delve for, from it but really like in cartooning you kind of have to lean into these stereotypes because it's like it's a shorthand and you have to communicate ideas very very quickly so it's like why play against the stereotype you know if, if it'll like it'll uh, you know convolute your message right so yeah you get a message out quickly and i think in some cases uh new graphic novels are losing that because yeah. uh, you know they're turning into memoirs and things like that I was going to say, uh, the, the interesting thing about using stereotypes with this is that, so something that Greg and I uh, are constantly trying to do with our comics because Greg wants to tell a really long story, but comics aren't meant to be really long, right? Like they're meant to be concise. And that's part of the artwork. That's part of what makes them really interesting is that you can tell a really powerful story in just a few pages. And mm -hmm. so some of the things that you need to do in order to, speed up the story is have a lot of implications that are laid out in like a subtle detail of the artwork. And like you mm -hmm. said, you play playing off stereotypes. Like when you have the big jolly looking guy, you kind of, you don't have to tell this whole past story to kind of get an idea of what's yeah. going on. You yeah. can move on and have the story keep going, uh, implying that something happens, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, w one of our, um, upcoming comics, there's, you know, there's a scene where these guys are running down an alley and a car pulls up, right? Mm -hmm. And then something sticks out of the car and you, you don't need to see what happens to get the idea of what is likely to happen. And you right. can move on with the story while still getting the same emotional uh, pull from witnessing that. So yeah, I yeah. definitely agree with that. 
Yeah, I, you know, when I was studying creative writing, you know, one of the big things that teachers were, kept saying was like, oh, you got to avoid cliches, you know? <laughs> and uh, I remember, like, uh, I, this was like, I'm dating myself, but I remember this was around the time that uh, the movie Gladiator came out. Nice. And uh, so then I'm watching, like, you know, I'm watching it with my buddies, my writing buddies, and and one one of them was into film and stuff. So then we watched the Oscars and stuff. And I remember hating it initially, based on the fact that that it was so cliche. Like in my mind at the time was like, it's so good, but it's all cliches, you know? Are <laughs> like, you not entertained? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like like. It, you know, he's getting revenge because they killed his family. You know, like it's like like the biggest cliche. You know, it's like they did it in Death Wish. They did it in everything. You know, so so I used to hate it. But then then over the years, as you know, I was I was working on comics and 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 writing and reading a lot more. I realized that what you want to do as a writer and an artist, and especially as a cartoonist, is you want to play into those cliches, but do it your own way and it's inevitable that you're going to do it your own way because you're it's just it's 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 near impossible to to do a perfect copy of something anyway so you know even how some artists start out as uh you know mimickers of some of their favorite uh you know idols they eventually come into their own so i think leaning into the stereotype and the cliches is actually encouraged and, uh, and eventually, you know, you're going to find your originality. A hundred percent. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, uh, what is it? I, I can't remember the exact phrase, but it's something like, if you copy one person, you're a plagiarist. If you copy a hundred, you're a genius, right? It's like the yeah. idea of you, like the best way to get good at almost anything, not just art, is to mimic the greats or mimic your idols, uh, but don't mimic just one. Like find multiple and then find the thing that pulls you to each of them and, you know, make your own message from it. And like, yeah. you know, what is it? The hero of a thousand, you know, Joseph Campbell, hero, hero of a thousand yeah. faces. Like the whole idea is that every single hero's journey, like the, you know, the, this hero's arc, it, it's always the same. The difference is the, the, the skin that it's, that's placed on it. Um, yeah. I, there's some comedian that does a joke about how, uh, what's it called? Yeah. Harry Potter is star wars with crappy lightsabers like you know some some boy uh whose family is killed goes yeah. and lives with his aunt and uncle uh, a wizard comes and finds him uh right. tells him about an ancient magic <laughs> takes him away the, the the relatives don't want him to go he's trained by some old dude <laughs> like it like literally is like the same story just a different a different texture and because yeah. of that you have people who are you know, staunch Star Wars fans and people who are staunch uh, Harry Potter fans. And it's just a, a different, like, everyone needs that hero's journey, but not everyone can hear it the same way. So that's why you can't really run out of stories because every person needs a unique way to hear that story. Yeah. Yeah. We desperately want to believe that there's, uh, there's order and, uh, there's a, yeah, there's a reason to to our suffering. I think that's really what the core is. You know, there's challenges in these characters have constant challenges. You know, whether they're like whatever orphaned or, or you know they're uh, well, and and a lot of them they're destined to be greater than they are. And and who can't relate to that? You know, because I feel like 
every person to some extent feels like they're never their best self. You know, they, they're always like, you know, a few meters away from, <laughs> from uh, kind of just being uh, their, their ultimate um, embodiment of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what makes comics great too. Like being able to get like, um, ba basically, it's just another medium in which to tell the hero's journey. And you know, yeah. it, it's interesting too because I think people don't even see that that happens in everything, including even movies like The Joker, where it's literally about the villain, and even he still has this arc. That's that's the same type of arc. If you watch Dragon Ball Z and you watch someone like Vegeta, right? Like in in the early episodes, like the whole idea is like everyone goes through these types of arcs. And so yeah, it's it's super interesting being able to uh, display that. And like we like we were saying, when it's especially with cartoons and comic books, being able to shorten shorten the length in which it takes to consume that story while still telling a good story. Can you scroll up to the storytelling uh, section? Because that that'll, there's like anatomy and all that stuff, and then like uh, oh, getting, so go to the uh, later in the book. Oh, later in the book? Wait, yeah. I, what's the uh, what's the page we're looking for? Um, I, I don't know. I want to say uh, uh, it's probably comics and manga storytelling, 63. 63, okay. Oh. Zoom. Yeah, because this will, and there's a great section on uh, an, uh, perspective, by the way. Like it's, a, okay. So yeah, so th this is one panel cartoon, but then scroll a little more. Then I jump into like three panel uh, immediately because when I used to teach, I had like one panel exercises and two to three panels, but then I just uh, expanded it into the three. Scroll up just a little touch so you can see the, the all the panels. Uh, oh, um, there you go. Me, uh, so those three main panels, panels. There you go. So it's like this is the hero's journey, all on one page. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> that's awesome. See, that's that's cool because, like, honestly, this is something probably. Uh, even if you're not an artist and you're just like a comic book writer, like that's super important. Like, you should be able to break your story down into a couple of panels and then just a bit like. It's kind of like uh, writing a good like blog or something. You, you, mm. you start with an outline and then you fill the blank in for the outline. But you should be able to do the same thing with artwork. You should be able to turn each of those headlines into a single piece of artwork that tells a long enough story. And then you just break those panels apart, get a little more in depth, build a little more emotion, build a little more, uh, you know, something into each of these characters. Yeah, regardless of the length of the story, you, it it helps to, to have this same structure underneath, you know, like this was taken from a commission I did for, um, it was like a, a vein and vascular center. So it was a doctor's office. So the heart doctors, the, the ideas. <laughs> well, I changed that cause it had their logo on it. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. So it's like Dr. Love now, <laughs> but, but he was like a vein and vascular guy. And this, this was like a, uh, like a demon that like got in her veins, you know, like cholesterol. Uh, but, <laughs> but the point is that, like it, this story was like maybe there's a there was like a conclusion panel after this, like where they're just kind of walking off into the sunset to be continued. But it was essentially this. It was like very few panels, and it it told 
everything you needed to to tell. There was like kind of a villain. There's like a challenge. There's a there's a victim. Then there's a hero that that comes in and rescues everything, uh, rescues her, and uh, and then they're happily ever after. You know, so whether it's like a three page a three panel story or whether it's like an eight page short story, which is typical for anthologies or whether it's like a, you know, a hundred page graphic novel, you should be conscious of this introduction, climax, conclusion, and the hero's journey underneath uh, that. And then there's like things that I've used in the past where they were for uh, screenwriting, where they have like, you know, at a certain point, like around the 60% uh, point in the story, you know, like boy loses girl, <laughs> you know, and then, so it's like everything's going great and then he he fucks up and he loses girl and now he's got to win her back again before the end of the movie you know so uh, there's those obstacles that constantly happen it's like little obstacles and then there's like a big obstacle that are like it's like almost like the hero makes all the progress you think they're going to make but it's like the movie's not done or the story's not done and then one big misstep happens and then it's like a gigantic setback and then they have to work uh you know, from even less than they began with, you know, and that's, that's what I, I, I love that. There's a, um, what's his name? Uh, he, he's in a, a, is it a hedge fund manager? Uh, Ray, Ray Dalio. He, he wrote a book mm -hmm. called Pr principles and, okay. uh, he talks about how when you're growing, even in your own life, like that's the whole point. Like you come up with a plan, you have this goal and essentially you mess up. So he basically draws like this looping pattern and essentially that's your whole life. Like you have a goal, you try to do it, you mess up, you learn from it, you set a new plan, a goal, you accomplish it, but then you hit another uh, struggle and you just kind of keep looping over and over again. And with a, with a story, a movie, a film, uh, essentially what you're doing is you're just telling a segment of that story. And uh, the longer it is, the more of those loops have to occur, right? If it's a three hour movie, there has to be more failures that occur, which is why when you do a two part, you know, six hour collective end game infinite, uh, infinity wars, right? There has to be multiple failures that yeah. get worse and worse as it goes in order for it to be a rewarding uh, ending. Because if every struggle you deal with after the first one is easier, then it's not really a struggle. You've already accomplished, like that, that's the whole hero's journey, like acquiring some boon, right? Acquiring this new piece of knowledge or strength that you can use to overcome this power, you know, problem. Right. And it always has to be a bigger problem, so you're always growing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. You scroll, scroll, scroll more because there's like, I don't mind sharing some of these. So I talk about scripting there, like different formattings, uh, thumbnails. Oh, I'm going to be running, if, if anybody's watching, uh, look, look on uh, writers.com. With them, I'm going to be running a workshop on October 6th. It's a Thursday night. It's a boot camp. Four hours, all about writing for comics. Nice. Yeah. yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. Um, also, I love this right here. This is basically how Greg and I write now. Um, yeah, it, it's funny because Greg used to write in storyboard sessions. So like, he, he basically wrote out our comic in a, uh, a book format, turned that into a storyboard. But like, storyboard is so much different than what you can do with comic panels. And uh, I, I still remember there was like a scene where somebody was uh, 
you know, sitting down, shouting, gets up, and then gets knocked back. And I'm like, you can't do all three of those in a panel <laughs> with communication where you can in a storyboard because it's a quick scene. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this is kind of – this is actually almost exactly how we do it. It's like page name, panel. We describe the panel. Uh, this location we kind of put inside of that, but I actually like how you separate that. We normally just put it like in brackets, and then we do character one, yeah, name, character two, name, and then we go on to the next panel. So, yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's a really s simple, uh, you know, format, but and it's important to like even space it clearly. Like I had a, a client I was talking to recently, a, a future client uh, potentially because. I met him at a convention and then he wants to convert a novel into a graphic novel. And then, so I'm like, let me know when it's written, you know, <laughs> that I yeah. yeah, we haven't really talked about like the details of money yet anyway. But, um, so he's just kind of asking me for advice and stuff. I told, I sent him to like this article that I wrote for writers.com all about writing. I don't think he actually read it because had he read it, he would have seen this page. And so then he was excited that he wrote something and he wrote something quick, like a first draft of, of a page and he sent it to me and it was not formatted and i told him like yeah i mean it looks it looks okay but here's this page again like the formatting is not because i'm i'm like just trying to make you do more work if i'm if i'm an artist a comic book artist like i need clear communication if 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 you know like what wonders grammar you know but i need like you to space things clearly you know and and bold a couple of things to so I know visually what I'm looking at because the more work I have to do that way, it's just like the more it takes away from like my creativity and uh, I'm going to be annoyed. And, and uh, you know, I mean, I, I might want to charge you more because of this hassle. And then I don't want to argue. I don't want to have to explain to you why this is costing you more because you're not, you know, making my work uh, streamlined, you know? Yeah, that's that's something that Greg and I learned uh, the hard way, and essentially that's why that's why we came up with this idea. I didn't I didn't even know this was a normal structure. We kind of like slowly found this because we kept as we worked with artists, we kept getting more and more questions, and so we just kept trying to answer them in yeah. this type of format. And essentially, what happened was I was like, all right, we're gonna spell out absolutely everything we can because it's one of those things where I realized that. Um, it's kind of like uh, there's a saying where discipline equals freedom. And even though discipline means you're doing something over and over again, as opposed to being free, it actually makes it so that the part that you want to spend a lot of time on, you have the availability to do it. So in this case, by giving the artist all of the tools that they need, they can spend their time making the art beautiful instead of wasting time trying to figure out what the art even is. And so, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Right. Yeah, because, you, you know, you were wasting their time. Like, they have to email you, like, what did you mean here, you know? And then, and then you know, when it comes to grammar, it's like, it's not like I'm a stickler for people's grammar, but it's like, you know, if somebody else is doing the lettering, you expect them to be your editor at, like, $95 an hour for editing services? Google editing services, you know? It's, it's 90 bucks an hour, and, like a letter is not going to fix your, your things and you want to publish it like that. And then, you know, so then everybody's going to be polite to you going forward that, you know, your, your comic, which might have decent art, but it's like spelling errors and all kinds of goofy crap everywhere. They're, gonna, <laughs> they're not going to mention it or either that they're, they're illiterate like you. 
<laughs> and, uh, and they don't know the difference, you know? So yeah, so yeah these are considerations. And I think like uh, you said, Greg, uh, you know, thumbnails the, uh, the comic. And that's a great way to do it because you don't have to be a good artist. But, you know, it's helpful. If you want a certain shot, include it with your script. You know, if you have a certain vision and they'll tell you if it doesn't work, but also it's important for a writer to, to know how to, to visualize like a camera angle, you know, to think like a filmmaker, because then they know if they give a direction, like, um, he's got his back turned <laughs> and, uh, he's scratching his nose and it's clear that he's scratching his nose, you know, <laughs> like, how are you supposed to show both of that at the same time, you know? So, so, uh, you know, if you were able to sketch it, you know, like maybe you could do it like three quarter back view and you could see, you know, that action. But, you know, you need to know how it's going to look visually. Yeah. There's a, another thing that we do. Well, mostly Dylan does. I watch him do it. Uh, we make floor plans. Um, I saw yeah. you do yeah. 3D floor, floor plans. <laughs> yeah. um, we just... We try to make it as easy as possible for people. <laughs> so, um, there's a diner that's going to be in the one comic that we were talking about earlier. Um, that's really like, good. Yeah, and even though the location changed, it's still the same diner. It's not going to change the layout of the diner or anything. It's just in a different spot. But um, yeah, so we did that. There's a, ho a hospital room that I made very basic. Mm. Uh, Dylan will probably like actually make it look like a hospital room. <laughs> Uh, my, mine is just a bed. There's no pillow or anything. And someone's like, can I have an extra pillow? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I definitely, uh, I was going to say, like, even if you're not uh, any good at illustrating, definitely understanding this will help you translate to your artist. And so, like, before we started doing floor plans, another thing we used to do, and we still we still do it sometimes if we need to, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a good illustrator when it comes to drawing people. So I'm not even going to try. And what we did was we used uh, Canva. I found like an, an, uh, an icon, like, you know, like the, uh, like you don't have a profile picture, like the profile picture icon. Yeah. And I would just put, the, I would put people in different depths, right? I'd be like, I would draw someone bigger in like the, in the foreground and then draw someone small in the background. And I'd be like, this one's John, this one's Steve, right? Yeah. Like, I would think, so yeah, it's, it's like, they're, even if you can't draw, understanding how it's supposed to look, you can use different mediums. Like obviously modeling an entire rest or a diner is not uh, a necessity, but for us, it's fun, it's easier. And because we can use it for other things, um, you know, it, it's practical. Where if you, if you can just use Canva and little stick figures, it really does help the artist because again, they don't have to think about like, like, did he mean here or here? Like, which direction? Like, it just you want to make it as easy for the artist as possible so they can do the part you can't do, which is draw really well. <laughs> That's amazing that you guys, well, I guess over time, trial and error, eventually came around to to being so helpful in your directions. Yeah, it's definitely trial and error is the right the right way to put that. We, uh, you know, our first comic. Uh, you know, is in the uh, furnace now. You know, like just <laughs> just kept away kept away from the public. But yeah, it, it started off where I mentioned earlier, like Greg wrote everything in storyboard format, 
and we weren't thinking like, oh yeah, that's not how comics go. So we just give that to the artist, and then we're like, this doesn't make any sense. Like <laughs> after you see the artwork, and uh, having to yeah make corrections over time, having to deal with you know, frustrated artists or you know us being frustrated, not understanding what the artist wants. And so yeah, I, I actually I picked up uh, a a book on like how to draw comics and that's how I learned some of the phrasing uh you know even stuff like I I, I everyone has heard the word uh bird's eye view but like yeah. I never heard the word uh worm's eye view I never even thought about it, it makes perfect yeah. sense too and I'm like oh like if that's what I've been trying to say like from the ground up like I'm writing all this yeah. stuff I'm like no worm's eye view it makes perfect sense and like it, it's just logical too like I don't have to explain that even if the person didn't know what that meant already just the word itself describes itself. Yeah, I'm not sure if I mentioned that uh, the contrast there and some of these pages scroll through a little bit because it's like, I don't know if I met, I, I might have forgotten to, I mean, I try to condense everything, but I might have forgotten to, to mention, I think I did, uh, to, to mention like like the impression that you have uh, if, if, if you're looking up at a character, it means that, you know, they're domineering, they're in control. As like or your, your kind of uh, maybe you know, perspective, like, yeah, and then and then if you're looking down on them, they seem small, and you're you're uh, the narrator, you're you're uh, you're more uh, you have more presence over the story if you're looking down on them, you know. So, yeah, and I was gonna say that's that's really important for a writer because sometimes the artist doesn't know that this is supposed to be that character that's meant to be people are fearful and that's why we're looking up at them, right? Like, right. you know, yeah. that's, that's hugely important. And sometimes you might, uh, you know, if, if anyone knows Tom, Tom Cruise is really short and in all the films, they're always shooting at an upward angle to make him appear taller. And it's not just to, you know, so he doesn't have to feel bad about being short. It's because he's supposed to yep. be a domineering character and yep. you're supposed to be you know, looking up more um, idealistically as opposed to, um, you know, feeling bad or, you know, <laughs> feeling like he might, he might not win. Like you want to feel confident this guy's going to win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to uh, give the camera, uh, the cameraman being like some six foot seven guy shooting down on time like this. <laughs> <laughs> Just like oh, is this a characters in perspective? Yeah. That's a fun page. And that's, this is the second uh, kind of, reference where I use a term outside like I use the Marvel way yeah Marvel way but like I said like I try not to to use any uh, outside uh, reference yeah cultural terms this is a fun page I like this so I have like you know just like extra fun things you know yeah, actually, I was just to say right here, you got the, uh, you know, yeah, Kong up here, you know, at that upward angle, as opposed to looking down and she just looks tiny. He looks menacing up there, even if yeah. he's got a smile. You know, that's the whole point is that he can look as nice as he wants, but she's clearly afraid. Yeah, yeah. And you don't need to, to show her expression. Her, her body tells enough. Yeah. So. That's very cool. There nice. Is, there is a guy that's um that found us on Twitter or something, and he has been messaging me since I don't know, like May or something. But I've been kind of putting it off because I know it's going to be work <laughs> that I'm not getting paid for. 
Um, and what's that? I said that he he wants to like have his comics published by us. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Because um, there's a couple other people that have asked that too. Um, but the one thing that's with his script is there's no dialogue. He just has like basically a storyboard. So kind of like how I did at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, I, I can make the first trailer. Uh, like, because he has a YouTube channel that's got like uh, not that many subscribers or and he's like, yeah, I can make the first trailer. I was like, you shouldn't make trailer or anything yet. Like, you have mm-hmm. to make the script. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, okay. And I'm like, yes, yeah, so don't, you don't have to worry about trailers. And like, he's like, yeah. And then should I do a Kickstarter? I'm like, shouldn't you worry about that yet? <laughs> you, you have to make the comic first. So yeah. chill. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, well, I'm not very good with like dialogue. And I'm like, aren't you a writer? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, but could you help me with that? I was like, could but like it's gonna charge you so. <laughs> i have to write your dialogue yeah i have to write his dialogue and i don't know any publisher and ghostwriter yeah 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 so i'm like oh okay i guess i can do that like what is he, what is he doing if you're writing it for him he has he has like the right. stories all written but like the dialogue isn't really there there's just like what the characters kind of say and i have to actually like figure it out so is he a young kid it's like, it's like i think well, he i don't think he's that old i think he's probably like 17 or something yeah know. yeah he's probably a young kid. Like, uh, okay well you, you gotta like chill on like <laughs> a bunch of stuff first it, it's amazing how little people know like yeah. especially when they're young you know like they just like they it i mean it was the same for me in a lot of ways i think even before college i didn't know how animation was made all of a sudden i was in the field you know i yeah, saw so, um some video or some something video. Oh, the thing I shared with you after. Oh, I, and then you like, I already saw this. Yeah, I saw that on like Netflix or something. I don't know, years ago or year or something. It was like a Walt Disney biography or or the Disney biography. Yeah, like the, like the moving it. panels. It shows how animations like made like back then, and it showed yeah. like, a whole like scrolling wheel thing, and like they had to draw each scene, and like it shows just how Bambi and stuff was made. It was, like, that's awesome. <laughs> but, you know, that's funny because that's how I learned animation. Yeah. I still learned it traditionally with an animation table, like light table and stuff and flipping pages. I don't know if they even still do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's all done directly, drawn on Flash. or like yeah, a, Pixar is literally like computer animation. And then, well, I know, yeah, but I mean like the 2D stuff, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. We still have 2D animations, but I think they're all like uh, After Effects or uh, Flash now turns to Adobe Animate. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I did it traditionally, which isn't very uh, practical. Honestly, though, like like when you learn the traditional stuff, though, I, I think that, like we were talking about earlier, like understanding perspective, like you don't really learn that if you're just learning how to use a software Right. You, you learn that by doing it by hand and having to go, oh, there's this like, like you mentioned, like the young kid not knowing anything. And it, it's it's funny because I feel like people that were born since Google already existed don't understand how truly powerful it is. Like I, I get people all the time that ask me a question and I'm like, I have this magical site that will answer that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I do that all the time. And, and it's like very frustrating with me uh, if I see, like I'm on the 
few Facebook groups, and then people will post on there like, like they have general questions. It's like you can answer that if you just Google it yourself, you moron. Yeah. Have you ever heard of uh, "Let me Google that for you"? <laughs> yeah, let me. Yeah, yeah th th there's the uh, what's it called? Uh, this thing was it share screen. Yeah, the this site here where you, you can type in like uh, you know how to draw, right? We got that, and then you you get a link, and then you paste that in, and this is what it'll do for the the, the person you send it to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you type then you type it in, and you're like, oh, how to oh, oh, I already did it. Yeah, how to draw. And then web search, and then it'll actually just yeah, it'll pull up like Google search. Oh, does it not work anymore? Oh, I wonder if it broke. It's right. It's so old it probably broke. But yeah, what it used to do is it would literally type it in for you, and then a mouse would move and click Google search, and then the actual Google search would come up and just show you like. So yeah, I, I love that because I remember uh, when I first started working like in an office and. Uh, somebody had sent that to me where it just like it did that and it like zoomed in and clicks on it. I'm like, that's hilarious. Because like, I asked the stupid questions, like get a stupid response. <laughs> I, I use it all the time. And it's like, I, I feel like I'm pretty good at knowing how to ask the right questions. Because if you, you have to really think hard, that's the, the trick. If you want have a specific question, you have to formulate it in the right way and have the right keywords to be able to have it answered. Yeah, yeah there's a there's a guy that I work with that nobody really likes, and um, there's a thing, there's a thing that I uh, this podcast too. <laughs> and there's a I uh, googled like basically how he acts, and it came up with like the disorder that he has. It's like a it's not bipolar. It's like a and I thought he was like Napoleon syndrome, like that, whatever that is. Uh -huh. That it's uh, it's the same thing that Amber Heard has. He he has that uh, histrionic disorder or something, and okay. it's like they always have to be like in charge or uh, in control or something. And I'm like, what is wrong with this dude? But I like found that just by googling the right like words. And I'm yeah, like, oh, well, I should be a therapist. Does he know that's what he's got? Oh no, because if you tell him, then he would not allow that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, like, th there should be a class that, like, teaches how to use Google when you're in school because uh, I, I worked at a, uh, like, a I had a remote internship, I think my junior year of college, and I worked for this data collection company, and all they were doing was trying to, like, collect random information on, like, high net worth individuals, so, like, you know, we're trying to look up Bill Gates and figure out, you know, oh, like, what's his favorite color or whatever, stuff like that, and the interesting thing was, we learned how to actually search Google properly using like their Boolean logic and some of their other, um, you know, uh, search, search, uh, what's it called? Uh, criteria, like how to narrow it down. So like, for example, you can use the basic stuff that's built into it where you can say, uh, you know, search before today or only search this year. Like those, those are little drop down things, but oh. you can also do like really powerful things. Like you could type in how to draw comics, right? And then type in file type colon PDF, and you'll find yeah. PDFs that have that word either in the title or if it's searchable in the PDF. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like it's incredible. Like that's something that when I when I when I tell people that maybe one out of I don't know two hundred people have known that that was a thing. 
right? Like it's very, very rare that someone knows that. Or like another one is uh, really sight. that rare. I, yeah, no. I, every intern we 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 have, uh, like at our at our music company, like no nobody, no one's ever heard of that, and they're all younger, so they should. Uh, the other one is uh, site, like S I T E colon, and then the name of the site, space, and then you type whatever you want to look, and it'll basically use Google search on that site, so it'll find whatever you're looking for on that site. And so, like, I've used that to find people on LinkedIn because LinkedIn search is terrible. So I, I'll, I'll literally go to Google, type site colon LinkedIn.com, and then I'll search for whatever I'm looking for and then find it where I need it. Oh. But, like, yeah, there's tons of stuff like that, and people just have no idea that that stuff exists. That's a good tip about the site thing. I didn't know about that. Yeah, exactly. Like, so they're, they're like, it's awesome that you know the file type one, but, like, yeah, the site one, for example. Like, people just it, – it's something that – I only knew because I had this weird, you know, job that happened to require me to search all the time. So I slowly learned more and more about Google. Like they're, they're this or that in parentheses with quotes and this or that for Boolean logic. Um, yeah, it was very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've been using Google search nonstop since I've had a house. Like how do I get rid of spiders in my house? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so much Burn house down. <laughs> Yeah, and then I did actually look for PDF yesterday because I'm reading a like a book that I like, but it's it's a huge book, but it's abridged. <laughs> Still, mm -hmm. it's like I'm a little I, I was obsessed with like all the stuff that I might be missing out on, <laughs> and uh, so I googled it because it's like public domain now, so it's on Gutenberg. Ah, nice. Yeah. Um, so. But so then I, I found it and it's got like, like each chapter has like an extra poem and a little introduction that I'm missing out on. They abridged all that. So now I'm going to. I got one more really cool search for you, by the yeah. way. So instead of just looking for file type, uh, you know, sometimes like there's a, a Google template, like a, a docs or a, an Excel sheet. So yeah. if it's publicly available, you can actually type in site colon docs.google.com and then whatever you're looking for like i just typed in marketing template and like right here strategic marketing plan template i click on that look at that i yeah. just found i just found somebody's thing right here like it's because it's shareable oh yeah so i i i've done similar but i didn't know about like the the colon thing but I yep, because it's like just based on the keywords and the file type i just put it all in the description but I don't use like the uh, site docs colon part. Yeah, I, I love that because like well, when I found this one out, because this was accidental, but, you know, you, you can find so much stuff that, you know, people because people create temp templates all the time. It's just how do you find them? Right. Because if their website doesn't have good SEO, like you're not going to find that right. website. So instead, you look for something so specific, it would be really hard for them to not be searchable in Google, and then you yeah. can find it. So like doing this, or doing like I was saying earlier, doing like the uh, file type uh, PDF, and then you can also combine this. So I can be like, um, what is it? Site colon, uh, what's the name of that site? Uh, I think it's marketingmadesimple.com, right? And then mm -hmm. I'll just say template and you can, uh, uh, no, that one didn't work, but basically you can have, oh, um, can you, uh, search, do it, do it for either my site or actually I posted, I published the PDF on my site. Um, go no, 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 masterpieceartschool.com. 
Oh, I got you. Masterpieceartschool.com. Yeah. And then file type PDF. Yeah. See? Three PDFs. Okay, so what's that untitled one? Let's see, because <laughs> I just want to make sure if I have to delete something. Oh, it, it just downloaded it. Here. It? Oh, it's a living. Uh, oh, it's a preview of my chapter. Huh. Huh. What part of my site is that on? Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, uh, oh, I can't. Uh, one second. I think I have to. Oh, it's under blobs redirect. Can't oh. see it there. Where's the? Oh, there it is. So masterpiece slash rail slash active store slash blob slash redirect. Yeah. So basically, <clears throat> so for anyone out there who has PDFs on their website who do not want them searchable, this is my okay. little marketing I tip for the. Oh, this is going to say a little, little marketing tip for the day. If yeah. you don't want stuff like this searchable, you want to yeah. use what's called uh, Google Search Console. Oh, Console. I spelled that wrong. There we go. You go to this, and you can index your website. So um, I don't know if I'm I don't know if I have this logged in to see. Yeah, yeah. So see, we're logged in. There's our performance, and basically, you want to go to your pages. See how we have? Oh, go away. See how we have uh, indexed pages, non-indexed pages, because obviously we have all the comics on our site. We don't yeah. want our comics to be indexed. We don't want people to just pull them from Google, right? Yeah. So that this is how you do that. That's why it's so massive. <laughs> um, but yeah, essentially that that's how you protect your content is making sure that Google can't find it um, or any search engine for that matter. You just tell it to not be uh, indexable. Oh, so wait, where do I go? Look <laughs> <laughs> this. We got some advice for people now. So Google, yeah, Google Search Console. Um, and then what you do is you have to log in, uh, prove that you own the domain, um, which uh, it'll, it'll like walk you through how to do that. And then um, essentially under index, you go, to, you go to site maps, and this is where you upload your site map. So for us, we have a WordPress site. We use the plugin called the Yoast SEO, which develops a site map. On any page we do not want indexed in our website, we just check, check a little box that says don't index this. So when the sitemap is created, it won't include it. And then we upload this into Google Search Console. It indexes your site, which now makes it searchable. Um, Google will eventually spider crawl it as long as you're on a prominent, um, what's it called, uh, hosting account. But like, let's say, for example, you put a website literally on your own computer, but you want people to, to access it. You can submit a sitemap to Google so that they can find it because they're never going to find it on your computer. Um, so th you know that, that's the whole idea is that if you're using something like GoDaddy or uh, you know, Bluehost or whatever, you're using some hosting platform, um, you would use this. You submit it in here. You create a site. Uh, it creates a site map, and then it'll index all of your pages. And then essentially, uh, you want to make sure and go through them and go, oh, I don't want that one. So if you have a PDF that you know you don't want available, you have to search for it. Um, that's a little beyond what I could show here because it's been a while since I've done it. Yeah. But essentially, yeah, you have to go in here and look for that stuff. But yeah, this this in particular helps you with search engine optimization. Hey Dylan, I have a question. Like, yes. so right now, because I was like doing pre-launch and I I made the PDF of my <clears> book, <throat> like just downloadable on my site. And currently on Drive Through Comics, I published the digital version, which is, I believe, a downloadable PDF. What's what's your opinion about that? Is that a bad idea? Because I have some concerns about it. Like you know, once the PDF, I mean, could just you know, they could upload it somewhere, or share it, you know, and, and there's uh, so anybody else to buy it. 
Yeah, when it comes for marketing wise, um, I don't remember what the band was. I think it might have been Iron Maiden who gave away a chunk of their music. And on that album, they made more money than any other album. So <clears throat> the reason why I say that is that if you put a PDF version of your book, your comic book, it doesn't matter. People who are going to pay will pay. People who are not going to pay are not going to pay. But let's say, for example, because I do this with marketing, I will give someone free advice on how not to hire if they don't want to, right? Now, what will happen is they'll either be like, wow, thank you for being so honest. That sounds really difficult. I would like to give you money to do that instead of me. Or thank you, I'll do that on my own. And that's great because that probably wouldn't be a good client anyways because they think they know everything. Mm -hmm. But, and not in a bad way. I just mean like they won't think that I'm providing as much value. Yeah. But the next time they're doing something in front of a friend, they'll be like, hey, how'd you know about Google Search Console? It's funny you mentioned that. I was talking to this guy, Dylan, over here. He does marketing. Um, yeah, you should ask him. He's got some information. Yeah. I, I, he sent me a blog about it, right? And now that person becomes my client, right? right? And I've actually had something like that happen uh, quite a few times because I somebody knows that I do this. They did it on their own. They tell someone else. They learned it from me. I now get a client. Same with the books. If someone's going to buy your book, they're going to buy your book. Like for, for me, Gary Vaynerchuk is somebody I follow. He's given me so much free marketing advice. I can't afford his services. And then one day he goes, Hey, I'm selling sneakers. I'm like, that's great. My sneakers have holes in them. I have to buy yours so I can pay you back because I feel like I owe. Right. Mm -hmm. So if someone wants to give you money, as long as you don't make it impossible, you know, to accept their money, right. As long as you're selling your book someplace, they're going to figure out a way to pay you. And for people that aren't, they weren't going to pay anyways, or they're not going to, you know, they're, they're not going to read it even if they do download it. Cause you know, what is it? The perception, like they didn't pay for it. So it's not worth reading. And those who paid for it, it's worth reading. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> that because you mentioned the PDF young people earlier, like, um, are this the newer generation, let's say, uh, as young as like, let's say 13, uh, to 25, are they, using and viewing pdfs in your marketing that's that's a huge uh like there are tons of people for, for a small example comic books are actually on the rise in sales again physical comics right oh. and so that that's interesting right and so the idea is that there's just more people that's why it's going up but the thing is that of the collection of all the people including that age bracket a bunch use ebooks a bunch use physical books like for example I cannot read on ebook. I, I get distracted. I get bored scrolling, right? I want to feel physical progress. I need to have the physical book, right? Mm -hmm. Even audio book, if it's too long, I won't listen through it. Like I, I have the, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, William Durant. Uh, Durant? I think that's what it is. He has a, a like an 11, I can't even fit my hands on the screen. It's like, where am I here? It's like this big if I held all the books back to back. It's an 11 volume series of all of history, right? And it's, oh. it's incredible. And I have the audiobooks for like half of them. And I, it's the first one is like 36 hours long, right? I got like four hours into it and like, I can't see that progress. I couldn't keep going. Like I'll eventually have to buy the physical books and then listen to the audiobook with the book because it just, I can't do it that way. And so same with the younger people. Some of them need the physical one. Some of them prefer the digital because it's convenient on their little iPad. Right. Um, yeah. Everyone. Everyone's different on that fact. But they are using PDFs. They're familiar with the PDF. Yeah. PDF is still. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. P yeah. PDFs. 100 uh, percent. Like that. Like every school uses PDFs. You know. Like that's. Okay. Yeah. There's not like some other 
um, format that they're using unless it's like an ebook, right? And they're specifically downloading it on the platform, uh, like, you know, it was Amazon Kindle or uh, iBooks or Google Play, whatever it is. Hey, but and also, by the way, uh, the history thing, have you read Sapiens? Because that's I, I, and that's I like know. five hours to listen to the book. I have the so it is so super interesting. Um, I I have a uh, th th this is something. Uh, let's see if I can find it real quick. Top one hundred books. Well, I was gonna there, that as an audio book. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Because I listen to the audio book and it's it's like really fun and easy and very digestible, and it's all within like five six hours. Yeah, I, I need to get the uh, so I I have I actually I think I even have the audio book, but I have the physical book already. Um, is it top 100 books? I'm trying I to find the page. There, there's, there's a, um, yeah, it's no, it's not just popular. It's specifically, if I can find this website. Oh, wait, I think I know where it is. Knowledge, book lists. There it is. So this website right here, um, let me share this, share screen, share screen, share this screen. <clears throat> right, so this book right here, or this website right here, it's called goodbooks.io, right? And it says, you know, it has tons of books on here, tons of authors on here, but under uh, lists, uh, there's a bunch of these here. Where is it all curated? I forgot the name of the list. So I'll just go back. So right here, so it's top 100 nonfiction books and Sapiens is on top. And it's funny because Whoa. I knew this before I saw this page because I wanted to create this page before I found this page. Uh, Basically, I wanted to look at top tier um, professionals, whether they're doctors, athletes, business people, right? Like whatever it is, I wanted to look at all of them and see what their book recommendations were and then essentially calculate the value of a book based on how many times it's referenced. This one's referenced 49 times. The next closest one is 42, which ironically is my favorite book, Man's Search for Me. That's, yeah, <clears throat> I note that because when I was 16, I found that book at a used bookshop and it changed my life. It was like one of the first like books that I ever read, seriously. And I'll never forget it. It's like, yeah, the, 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 yeah. I'll I'll put this in the show notes too because this 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 particular list is super helpful. But I a hundred like th this this list is solid. Like I I've read this book, this book, this book, this book, this book, uh, this book, this book. Right. Uh, so I, I, I've read the War of Art, but I read the Art of War. The the yeah, the War of Art's fantastic. It's by Stephen Pressfield, the author of the Legend of Bagger Vance, the which became the uh, what is it, the critically acclaimed movie with Will Smith. Uh, the golf movie, yeah, and yeah. Um, uh, this is yeah, this is an inner creative battles. Okay. Yep, yeah, this was actually the first book I had my uh, older brother read uh, to get him to be convinced to read nonfiction books. It's a very it's a very short book too. Um, I think I have it buried. Yeah, it's buried. Uh, but it, it's basically it has three sections to it, and it talks about um, the resistance to creating art, and he also he includes art like music. Um, was it music, film, uh, drawing? It doesn't matter. And he even includes entrepreneurship because that is also an art. Because that's the reason why all businesses aren't the same. They use the same structure, just like art uses the same structure. But how you go about creating it is artful. Um, so yeah, he basically talks about overcoming the resistance, becoming a pro. Because uh, and I love this too. Like basically, what he says is, if you aren't making money as an artist, you're not an artist. You're a hobbyist. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, every, everyone can have a hobby because we all know, like a lot of Facebook groups. I'm an artist. Like, yeah. The, yeah. This, he basically says there's no such thing as a starving artist because an artist gets paid. Yeah. 
Yeah, because like if that's like your job title, right? If I say I'm an engineer and I don't work as an engineer and get paid, I'm not an engineer. I have a piece of paper that says that I know about engineering, but that doesn't make me an engineer. So if you call yourself an artist, it's because you are an artist professionally. And then uh, I think the third one is like beyond, like beyond the resistance or something. And it talks about how to overcome it and all this. It's, it's a very, very short read. It's very, very great um, book to uh, check out. And it's good for anyone, like I said, because it's any type of art. Like, you know, it can be comics and drawing or writing um, all the way up to business. And it's, it's a very, very high quality read. That would be a useful one because that's something like uh, I'm working on a novel now, uh, which is kind of an extension of my nonfiction, but it's fiction. And uh, and then I may write another nonfiction in the future. I'm not sure, um, but I love this kind of stuff. And actually, I have been making notes on a on a book um, that I, I may write in the future. Kind of more uh, around like it's yeah, it's kind of the same idea, but it, I don't know. If, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I've been just collecting notes and quotes and things, and that's one of my. Uh, I would probably check this book out then, because you might get some solid quotes. Like my, yeah. my brother, after reading this book constantly, um, well, not not anymore, because now he's doing really well. But in the beginning, like when he was struggling to get working, um, he kept going, "Ah, it's just the resistance. It's just the resistance, right? Like it's this, it's this thing." And uh, like one of the, one of the uh, portions of the book talks about the fact that like. Um, people wait for the muse to come uh, to them. But the problem is the muse is like the muse comes to your workbench. And so you have to be there and it comes whenever it wants. So if you're not at your desk all the time, you're never going to see it. So if you're not right. working on a regular basis, the muse isn't going to know when to show up because it doesn't know where you are. Right. It's waiting for you to be right. at work. So it's, it's a, it's a, you have to keep showing up in order for the muse to show up because you know, they're, they're wandering right. around. <laughs> I like that a lot because it's like if you're like a, you know, several miles away from your desk, what's the point? And you're busy in some fucking bar socializing, you know, yeah. like, you can't get to your desk and you're screwed. Yeah, like that. Like when you have a brilliant idea, like in an elevator, because you're, you know, going to go someplace like that doesn't help. Like you can't write it right there. Right. Yeah. And not everyone will. And then some people will be like, oh, what was that idea? No, I forgot. And it's like, yeah, because. You don't have a routine, so the muse knows when's a good time to show up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a really good – I'm going to look into that book because I've seen it in the past, and they're all – Yeah, and, and like, yeah, like I said, like this, this whole page, like I've read like a huge chunk of these books, and like they're all mm -hmm. fantastic. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Creativity Inc., for anyone who wants to actually start a creative business, this one's fantastic. I um, friend, but I haven't read it myself. The, the, yeah, the, it's a quick audio book too, as well. It's but um, yeah, it's all about how Pixar came to be, and you get to see another side of Steve Jobs that most people don't hear about. Um, and uh, yeah, it, yeah, these are all. Yeah. <laughs> I have to go through this list again. It's such a fantastic <laughs> list. Yeah, yeah. Nice. But yeah, if you ever do end up, uh, there's a. It's not going to be in this list, but there's a book called um, what is it? The five. Who edits that list? Uh, oh, so I, I don't know who owns the website, but if you like, so if you click on this Sapiens right here, you'll actually see the people that are being referenced as the forty-nine people, like you know Mark Zuckerberg, Richard Branson, uh, uh, Joe Rogan, Ashton Kutcher, Bill Gates. Right? These are all like highly prominent people. So essentially, um, you know, all of these prominent people count towards that. Uh, where's the number? Where's the show? There it is. So the CS is 49 oh, recommendations. Recommend, what, yes. People are logged in? 
No, no, no. So like the, the person who made this website, I don't know who made the website. They, when they find that this book was referenced, right? So like, let's say for example, oh, you go to, like yeah. This, like, like this author has been on those podcasts and they- Yeah, something like that. Or like, for example, like James, uh, I just saw James Clear. Where is he? Um, I go past my idea. Oh, there he is. James Clear. Like he wrote the book Atomic Habits. That became a bestseller really quickly. So because of that, he's a prominent author, right? So it shows like what they're, what they're marked yeah. as. And uh, I believe in his book, he references this book, right? So the whole idea is now he is recommending this book. So this person, whoever runs this website, I believe the way that they made it was they'll look at something like the Amazon best-selling books, and then they'll try to find what prominent people reference it because a book could have millions of reviews on there, but like, you know, they could be bots, they could be a normal person, but you really want to know what are the top level people recommending? And so that's what they did with this list. And it's funny, like I mentioned, this particular book before I found this website, I knew that this was the number one book because of all the people I follow, this is the one book that all of them recommended. Yeah. Right. And, and it's interesting, a uh, little, little side note, uh, the, the coolest thing I noticed was of all my books, that book is the heaviest physical book, right? Or at least the densest, like, uh, where is it? Yeah, really? Cause I, I felt like the audiobook kind of went by really quickly. Well, that's the thing is it's not heavy because it's a long book, although it is, you know, relatively long. It's like, physically heavy. The pages yeah. in this thing, right, are like yeah. thick, you know, they're oh, thick oh, pages. Oh, oh. Right. And so it's like, you know, here's the microphone, right? Like you can hear that. It's a very solid book. And so the funny thing is, uh, this is just like a little uh, behavioral psychology. If you hand somebody that you've never met before a cold drink, they will have a cold impression of you. If you hand them a warm drink, they will have a warm impression of you. And so that's interesting. So if you're about to meet like, you know, uh, your girlfriend's family, right, bringing them a warm cup of coffee. Well, you'll, you'll instantly have a persuasive, uh, you know, that's, that's a term from Robert Cialdini, like a, a persuasive uh, action of making them feel warm first. So they're not going to have an initial reaction. And I think people recommend this book because most of the people that read this probably got a physical version because it has a lot of weight to it. Right. And, and so I, that's, that was kind of one of the ideas I have. But it's, it's also like, a, like you probably heard, like it's just been recommended uh, incredibly. And it's like a condensed story of our entire existence yeah, yeah. well uh, incidentally about the warm drink thing i like to give people the warm uh you know tea when i meet them and then i cold cock them <laughs> that's nice but it, 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 it's it's funny actually but yeah it's 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 really cool though like i, I love uh, that psychology stuff but yeah this yeah if you're ever looking for a good nonfiction book um this just happens to be uh you know like i said oh there's the top one i don't know why i didn't see that earlier but I think there's. Uh, you click on fiction. Like, yeah, fiction. That part of like. Yeah, I, I, obviously, like Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged, The Alchemist. I would have actually put The Alchemist first, but oh, it's one person shy. That's funny. George I, Orwell's up there. Shrugged years ago. I read the first Harry Potter. I everybody keeps recommending The Alchemist, but Animal Farm. I love. Great the, by the way, recently. The the uh, The Alchemist. You would probably really enjoy. It's very much a parable intended to make yeah you mentioned we mentioned earlier the hero's journey right like people yeah. want to feel like their suffering has purpose this book gives a really good um way to think about that 
like I, I won't ruin the book, but like well, there's one like type of line that they say, and, and that's the thing too. The interesting thing is I've never met someone that's ruined this book either. Like everyone always is like, you need to read this book. Yeah. And I actually finished reading this book in 2017 during the uh, total solar eclipse in Nashville before I moved here, uh, which is awesome. So like it was a very cool experience and it was like my 50th book. So it was like a meaningful read. And um, basically uh, the, one of the things that says in there is that it, essentially if you're chasing your destiny, that the universe will work to help you. Yeah. So even if it doesn't appear that way, Whatever it is happening is actually happening to help you. Because, like, yeah, they say the, uh, the the universe is conspiring against me. They say the universe is conspiring to help you. Yeah, like, how does that work, and why does it uh, do that? How how can the universe know your wishes? Uh, well, that, that that's what's oh, so interesting about oh, it. it. But like, how does that? Like, it's why do people just move aside? It's. I think that's kind of the idea is that if you go after something that feels right, right? Because a lot of people, what happens is they don't, and then that frustration leads them to go after stuff that's wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to be an artist. Instead, I got a job as a doctor, right? And then they might be a jerk and they start screwing patients over, right? It's one of those things where because they didn't go after the thing that they wanted, they become corrupted. And instead, so, if you go after what you want. So it's sincerity, huh? uh, like it's, you know, people recognize sincerity and they respect it and they move aside and bow to it. Well, no, no. Cause like, for example, there's, there's bad stuff that happens to people in life. But sometimes if you look back at it, back at it retrospectively, as long as you were going after the right thing, mm -hmm. sometimes that bad thing might've helped you like uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, back, I mentioned him again. He's like that job that you really thought you wanted that had a $20,000 a year increase sounds great until maybe you play that portion of your life out and because of that you're in new york city walking down the streets and then you get distracted and accidentally step in front of a bus right you don't know what that life would have led to right and so the whole idea is to imagine that uh you know whatever life you're going down you don't know what might have happened like some people lose a hand and then their entire life is better because of it and they don't see it obviously when they lose their hand but they were about to get divorced they were about to you know go off the edge with alcoholism right they're about to you know do something dumb with their life and then they 180 it because life was working with them and so you know obviously that doesn't always happen people you know, get the short end of the stick but it's this idea that if you think about it that way it makes it so that you don't give up right you don't you don't go oh the world's just against me instead you go how could this be helping me Maybe this is a story. Maybe I'm supposed to be an author. Maybe this bad thing, like, uh, uh, what's his name? Tucker Max, right? I hope they serve beer in hell, right? Uh, I don't know if you've heard that heard that book, but he became hugely famous. There's a movie based on it. And the whole idea is this guy was just a jerk, and he knew it, and, he felt, and his life was going to shambles, and instead he told his story in a book and became hugely famous, right? And now he's a much nicer human being. He turned his life around, all this stuff, and it's it's, you know, that's kind of the idea is like, even when life seems to be against you, there might've been a reason for it. You just have to find it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I do find that amazing. And I, I've noticed that in my own life, you know, like I just have to want something and it just like the world. Oh, the road. Have you read the, the road? Cormac McCarthy? I have not. I've not read, I have not read any fictional oh, books like, except for this one right here. Uh, so I think this is good. Great Gatsby, it's like pure poetry. 
Yeah, I, I definitely need to eventually go through this list. You never read Animal Farm? I read it like in high school, or uh, no, was it uh, middle school, high school, one of those. I don't know. But like, I wasn't paying attention. I, I didn't care at all for fictional books when I was younger. I was I, I I didn't care for textbooks either. I just like went through school and got out. I was just like, this you know, this is stupid. I'm gonna learn everything I need to on the job one day. <laughs> so I never I never uh, liked fictional books. But like honestly, some of the books that are on here, um, you know, like I have a friend, uh, actually the, uh, one of the artists who's under our management company, and he's you know he says that this book changed his life. Atlas Shrugged. Like there's so many metaphors he sees in his own life that correspond with, you know, actions in this book. And, and you know, th that's kind of the point of a lot of fictional stories. It's to, and like you mentioned earlier with the uh, stereotypes, it's to over-exaggerate a scenario so that you're, you can uh, relate to it because it feels that way sometimes, right? Like the world's ending, it's not really ending, but it can feel like that. But when you tell a fictional story, the world can literally be ending and you have to fight against it. Yeah, fiction's uh, great, and these are, you know, like books that have um, subtext, and especially you see Fourth, uh, 1984. You know what I liked about it, 1984 was like it's actually a love story. Really? Yeah, it's actually a a, a love story because it's it's about uh, these this couple trying to have like this little secret relationship amidst the uh, the socio political kind of conniving society <laughs> at the time. See, it's funny because this is one of those books where I don't remember if we read it in school, but the only thing I remember about this book is like the whole Big Brother's Watch. That's about it, right? That's the only thing. Yeah, but like, everybody knows play. that. And like Big Brother, uh, you know, like, are you, are you with, are you with the right side? You know, like everybody's trying to test each other and, and he can't even quite trust the girl and she's, you know, so, um, it, it, it surprised me because I read it late. Um, the Master and the Margarita, I haven't read yet, but I I watched clips from like um, this this film of it, and it's supposed to be one of the greatest books of uh, world literature. Yeah, East of Eden was one book that we actually went through in high school. We we read every chapter in school except for one. We were supposed to read at home, and I didn't read it. So technically, I didn't finish that book. Either. <laughs> yeah. I've read some, some of those, um, which I'm kind of proud of, but there's a lot on the list. Yeah, like Fight Club. I haven't read that, but I, I, I'm not a big fan of his writing. Um, he's a little... <laughs> the Godfather. For Whom the Bells Toll, yeah. The Trial. Yep, and The Idiot. <laughs> I haven't read The Idiot, but uh, that that's on my list because I think it's supposed to be one of his uh, better books. Yeah, I have, I have one of his books. I, I do have a couple of fictional books. I just haven't gotten to them yet because I'm so busy trying to get through, like, the nonfiction books I'm trying to learn something from. Like, right now, I'm going through uh, the, uh, this book here, I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. And it's awesome. So and, and anyone who has an income that's steady and wants to figure out how can you get all your finances together, this is a very specific book. It's not like here's an idea that you can try to put. No, it's like, here's the credit card you want to look at. Here's the bank account. When your credit card tries to charge you fees, here is a script you can read to get that fee removed. It works 70% of the time, right? Like things like that. Like it's extremely practical. Um, and it go, I think it's like a, what does it say? Like the six week challenge. Yeah, it's a six week program to get your finances all automated. 
Um, it, it's pretty cool. But um, I saw so you, uh, you bookmarked like tons of stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Whenever I, I go through a book, I, I tab them because I feel guilty writing in them. <laughs> so like I just tab them up like crazy. Uh, whenever I find some a cool idea, but like you know, because so, I'm still in the middle of this book, but like, uh, where is it? Like, uh, is that one? Yeah, like yeah, right here, the exact credit cards I use. Right, he talks about he talks about that. Oh, where is this? There it is. He talks about that in here. What's a good credit card? Uh, the two that he mentions that he uses actually, uh, one of them is, is it in this section. Pretty sure it's in this section. But it, he uses Chase Sapphire uh, for. Uh, travel points and then he uses something that has like a two percent um on everything for like, like just cash back I forgot where that one was i definitely tagged that someplace but there's so many things in here <laughs> yeah eventually i had to go through all my tags and then put them into notes on my uh, computer so i can actually organize them but yeah basically um yeah, one of his uh, one of his credit cards has two percent cash and everything, and he essentially uses that for everything except for um, I think it's like when you travel or when you dine out, you normally get more points for travel than you would cash rewards. So that's kind of how he uses it. And so yeah, he tells you that stuff. He also tells you like to look at high interest savings accounts. So um, I glimpsed through that book a couple of years ago, and because of that, I found. Ally Bank, which is a, a high interest yield savings account. And when I found it, it had like a 2.6% interest rate, which is ludicrous because like a normal savings account is like 0.05 to 0.15%. And this was 2.6%. So, uh, you know, I was getting a few dollars every month as opposed to a few pennies every month, um, which is fantastic. So it's so definitely what about uh, like, um, you know, stocks. Oh yeah, stock. Yeah, he talks about stocks and index funds, um, yeah. uh, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, it's definitely uh, you know, it, 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 it. I can't remember all the sections in the book, yeah. but it's got six primary sections. Here's the chapter here. It's like optimize your credit cards, beat the banks, get ready to invest. It talks about 401ks and Roth IRAs, okay. uh, conscious spending, save while sleeping, and then the myth of financial expertise. Yeah. So kind of like, and there's more chapters too, like investing isn't only for the rich, how to maintain and grow your systems. Uh, and then the rich life, like one of the cool things he talks about, and uh, I very much uh, agree with him is like a lot of people think they're wasting money on rent when they could be buying a house, but they don't realize that they could be like people lease cars and they don't see that as the same thing as renting a house. Like you're still getting the service you're paying for. Plus if the water heater explodes, you don't have to deal with it. Right. Um, however, if you are going to get a house and then maybe you rent out a room or something, now you're actually turning a liability into an asset rather than just owning a house for the sake of owning it. Like Greg, for example, needs stuff for business at the house, right? If you notice his purple painted wall, which looks awesome, right? Being able to do that and have the freedom to do that for a business owner might be a benefit to having a house as opposed to an apartment. But if yeah. you're just like a young kid and you're like, oh, I'm wasting all my money on this. It's like, no, like you could be saving yourself from destroying your credit and not being able to buy a house in the future because you weren't prepared for it so yeah it's a, it's a cool ideas like that from that book um, wow. I really like that's cool i love the stuff you're reading <laughs> yeah now we've tangented off into the into the ethos of nonfiction where it meets fiction but oh yeah the last thing i was going to say was there's a book i was uh, going to reference it's called um the five dysfunctions of a team and it's a book meant for business people to read but it's actually like a fictional uh, parable Right. So it talks about like these different team members that have problems and how they're overcome. Um, I've not read that one yet, but when it comes to like 
being a leader, it's one of like the top five recommended books and it's a fictional book. Mm. Right. So I was curious, you mentioned that you were look, looking at or currently writing another fictional book, but you kind of yep. mentioned this idea of uh, the nonfiction realm. Is that the idea or is this like an actual fictional story or is the purpose? No, to have it, it, the novel I'm working on is uh, loosely based on my career a few years ago when I was in Canada and I was, I was uh, a freelancer uh, trying to work up to a solo art exhibit. And uh, so it's, it's, it's about a young artist trying to find love and success. And he's working towards he, you know, a, a solo art show and, and um, he meets this girl and he's trying to maintain that relationship with that girl. Um, and she's a little bit out of his league. And it's, it's about the, the different uh, characters that are within the art world uh, uh, mostly and, and her uh, and the relationship with her and a little bit of his family, but uh, the art world kind of, a lot of the insights are uh, comparable to any city that has different characters that are of, of that world. So there's like some anecdotes, fictionalized anecdotes of, of characters and uh, they all come together. Very cool, very cool. Cool. Well, nice. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. It was uh, nice Dylan and Greg was just like supervising there. <laughs> and uh, also, where, where can uh, everybody find your book? Well, you can, first of all, find the PDF on my website. It's uh, masterpieceartschool.com. So the book is, I mean, I'd prefer if you just download it and, and get it from there. And there's other courses there. I also have some, a section of free book recommendations, art and book recommendations, where I like go through uh, books and some comics and art books. And I just like review them and, and uh, uh, discuss them. And they're, they're like videos that are on YouTube. So there's a section for that and there's other courses. And then uh, obviously the hardcover and the paperback and the Kindle are on Amazon and it, the digital version is available on literally everything because I, I made sure with this book to make it available on every single platform. So it's on Kobo, it's on Barnes & Noble, it's like uh, Apple Books, uh, but those digital versions are, are I believe, uh, only black and white uh, illustrations. Um, so I reformatted them, but they're all like for, for tablets. Nice. Greg, share the, share the, share the screen. Share the screen. Boom. There we go. Yeah. So that's the website. So if you click on like watch the book trailer, there's a, like a little trailer there and nice. like, watch what the hardcover looks like. Yeah, there you go. So I go through the book and, and uh, well, the hardcover and the paperback are all in full color. So that's the benefit and then the download is all in full color. And you could basically, uh, I don't know, take a screenshot of a page and bring it into like a, uh, what I do when I do tutorials, I'll take a, I'll take one of the pages and bring it into Procreate and then I'll put it to the side and copy out of it and show my students. So you could do the same thing. You could just kind of work with that digitally. Very cool. Very cool. Nice. So it was awesome having you on here. And uh, yeah, it's awesome to showcase your new book. And it's always good chatting with you about uh, you know, thoughts and life and book, <laughs> books. Yeah, this, yeah, we were very simpatico about like kind of 
self-development and all that. And, uh, you know, we're all creative folk. (laughs) (laughs) Having fun. Nice. Well, thanks, and uh, see you around. See you around.